began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. David Blair and Enzo Tamanini here with you, just about recovered from the weekend's festivities over in Belfast. Thankfully, we do still have Calm Stewart to help guide us along and keep us on the straight and narrow. We have plenty to discuss. As we obviously had the big cup game over in Belfast against Cliftonville, where Queen's Park ran out 3-2 winners in quite a wild game. We've got a preview of the Wraith Rovers game coming up this Saturday back in league action. And there's plenty of news on and off the park all around Queen's Park. And, of course, there's the great news regarding Scotland as well, which we can't avoid either. So we'll be talking about that as well. Um, Enzo, have you fully recovered? Yeah, I have. I have. I mean, I, I genuinely think that was one of the, the best away games I can remember in, in all my years supporting the club. I, I just had such a good time through there. And obviously it helps that we won too. But I would say, I, would say I'm, I think I've more or less recovered, yeah. And we don't mean to rub it in too much, Calm. It was a great away day, but we hope you did have a bit of a good weekend as well. I mean, it's obviously nice seeing as as one right, but I can't pretend that I wasn't immensely jealous uh, of of you being able to to enjoy it. But no, I'm glad. I'm glad that it was a good away day, and by all accounts, it sounds like the the hospitality shown by Cliftonville and all their fans was was absolutely excellent. So yeah, I'm glad glad we won as well, which is which is always nice. Well, you, you never know. We might end up getting Linfield away in the next round of the cup. That, that, that's a that's a possibility. So yeah, Belfast away. Uh, it, it could potentially crop up again. Who knows? I don't know if I could handle that again so soon, but <laughs> I suppose time, time will tell when the draw is made. Uh, let's go back to uh, Sunday afternoon and let's have a look at what happened on the park, first of all, at Cliftonville. So we did make the trip over uh, myself and there was a group of, I think, a total of about 15, maybe 20 or so uh, Queen's Park fans were on the, the same flight as the squad. We didn't harass them too much. Uh, they were behaving themselves. They stayed away from the bar. They uh, were just playing cards in Starbucks and, and enjoying themselves there. But on the same flight out on the Saturday evening and you guys on the bus left Hamden at half past three in the morning, all the way through, you got straight through to, um, to Belfast, straight to Cliftonville. The team was announced at one o'clock and there were three changes from the lineup from the previous week where we beat Hamilton 2-0. So the starting lineup was as follows. It was Callum Ferry and goals again. It was a back four of Jake Davidson, Lethal Day, Stephen Eze and David Boateng playing at left back. The midfield two of Jack Thompson, Malachi Boateng, Grant Savory, Don Thomas on the wings and the other two changes were two changes up front. So Simon Murray, and Johnny Kenny, uh, well, in Murray's case, dropped to the bench. Kenny was cup-tied, so he wasn't in the squad at all. And Josh McPake and Scott Williamson came in. So, Enzo, again, first things first, your thoughts when we seen that lineup? I hadn't realised that Johnny Kenny was going to be cup-tied. And, and I think uh, I think we we didn't we didn't know that was going to be the case when we were doing our predictions last week either, because I definitely predicted him to score. If, if I'd known that, then I wouldn't have. But... I thought this this the lineup was a bit stronger than what I was actually expecting. I thought we'd maybe see a couple of changes in the midfield. I was kind of expecting I don't know why, right? But I was kind of expecting uh, Herity to get a run out in goals as well because I'm I'm kind of of the belief, you know, if he's not going to get a run out in this cup, then when realistically is he going to get any first uh, any first time any first team game time? But I suppose it's a testament to how seriously Coyle is taking it and, and I think a lot of fans will appreciate that you know I, you know, from from the, the, the strength of the squad that he put on Saturday it looks as though we, we're in this to win it 
which which we should be because because now we're actually the, the currently you know the the highest ranked team in in the league system in this tournament. That's a bit wild, isn't it? Really, like being the, the highest ranked team in anything in Queens Park isn't usually something that's synonymous with one another. But I would um, I would I would agree with the the lineup. I was slightly surprised. I don't know in a good way or a bad way, but I'm kind of the same opinion. There's some guys in the squad that I do want to start having a wee bit more game time. So I'm thinking of the likes of Naismith. Hegarty, I think, is is a reasonable shout. I was also curious. I thought Jarrett might have got some game time. I don't think he even came on as a as a sub at any point. Um, but do you know what? I mean, Coyle obviously knows what he's doing. We got the win. Clearly, it was needed because by by all accounts and from the highlights, like it, it did it did seem a relatively tough game. So you've got to got to put trust in him with with what he's done so far. Yeah, um, I I agree with both of what you're saying, especially when you mentioned Patrick Jarrett as well. Like I just thought that's maybe one that you I don't know if you have cut players as such, maybe at our level or anything like that. But when he came in, obviously he played back in the the Premier Sports Cup, obviously back in the group stage with his first couple of games and he did really well there. He's not had a run out recently. I mean, that's not even necessarily been any fault of his. It's just the players that have, have got the chance to start ahead of him have, have kicked on and done so well. It's kept him out of the squad. There's a few guys like that in, in our squad, which is testament again to the depth that we do have at this moment. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We maybe, we're maybe kind of being too picky here because we were definitely torn about do we want to see a lot of rotation versus let's take it seriously, let's play a strong 11? Um, you know, I, I think Coyle def. well, I mean, the result speaks for itself. He definitely got the balance right and he did make the, the right choices there. Um, but we'll move into actually what happened in the game. And I mean, it was when we spoke to, or when I spoke to Josh Bunting last week, obviously the Cliftonville fan that we had on, and he was giving his opinions about Cliftonville. A lot of what he said about them were very similar team to us. They like to, you know, he was warning us that they do like to attack. They do like to sort of play on the front foot and they're maybe not great at the back either, which, you know, certainly sounded like us at certain points so far this season. And the game certainly proved to be the case because within the first 90 seconds of the game, I don't know if either of you recognised it from the, the highlights, but Cliftonville actually tried this sort of viral kickoff routine that I think I think it was Bournemouth done it first of all, um, but it was made more popular by PSG and Real Madrid, I'm sure, have scored goals from it as well, where they do the sort of passing it on in the centre circle and play a big long ball. But from that, Queen's Park defended it, ran up the park, had an effort on goal themselves, and then Cliftonville ran straight back down the park, won a corner. But from that corner, which was cleared out, I believe it was uh, a Malachi Boateng header. Um, from that, Scott Williamson got a touch and knocked it past a Cliftonville player. And then Grant Savory picked up the ball from maybe about 25, 30 yards outside of his own box. And he just took off with it. And he just kept on running. He had Dom Thomas uh, on support on his left-hand side. Didn't need it. Kept running, kept running. Got to about 18 yards out. Played the ball back, or took a shot back across goal underneath the goalkeeper. Two minutes in, it was one 0 Queens Park. Yeah, and and it wasn't just the goal, was it? Let's be honest. Savory was absolutely phenomenal on Saturday. It's such a good game. Um, the way he just ran, I, I thought he was going to pass it off, and I, and I kept, you know, he kept running, and I kept thinking he's going to pass it. He's going to put it out wide, and he didn't, and he scored, and it, it was a great finish as well, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, speaking to the Cliftonville fans. They, they did have a lot of really positive things to say about Savory and uh, brilliant goal, brilliant performance, and it was a really, it was an excellent start to the game. And, and and I'll be honest with you, maybe maybe this was just me 
Being a little bit arrogant, possibly, and uh, not really knowing what the standard of football is like over in Northern Ireland. When we scored quite so early, I thought, right, we're going to run away with this. I thought we're going to, you know, we're going to put a few past them today, and we did. But you know, we, we still put three past them. But it, it certainly wasn't as easy as I had thought that it might have ended up being um, at, at that stage. Savory just seems to be getting better and better, doesn't he? Uh, obviously, I didn't, I didn't see the game, but I've seen enough in the highlights to see how well he played and it's getting to that stage already where I'm starting to like look back on the, the signing announcement. I'm like, right, how many years does he have in his contract? When does that ne- mean that we need to make a decision about like whether we want to make money off of him or let the contract run out, all that sort of stuff, which I don't think we really considered with any of our players when we went pro initially because they were all kind of mostly on the way down. Um, I think Savory's the first one that I've seen who I'm like, he's going to go on to do big things. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I do agree with you there, Calum. And there, there was a point, um, definitely after the game, there was obviously uh, a few laggers flowing by that point. But uh, between myself and Enzo, I believe we had one point where we said the exact same thing as you. It's like, how long has he got left on his contract again? Right. It's either a case of he's the, the first player to get the blank checkbook and say, right, write a figure <laughs> down. You know, is it that old Rio Ferdinand quote where it was about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a few years ago? Give him the blank checkbook, tell him to write whatever figure he wants. He gets it because either he stays here for the journey, whatever the journey's going to take us. He's either the the player that it's entirely ran around, or or we have to or we have to cash in on him because I don't know. Enzo, were we not talking that it's easy six figures for us right now? I think we were saying at least that <laughs> at one point. I honestly, I, I, by even by Grant Savory's own high standards this season. And listen, he was not the only. There was a, a few other really good performances which we'll come on and talk about. But I'm already saying my man of the match from from the game on Sunday was Grant Savory. He, it was that run he done it in the, the first minute, the second minute, scored there. He was doing it all game. Uh, he was just everywhere again as usual. Uh, I, I, yeah, starting to run out of words to describe it. It just it almost seems like every single week he just takes another step up. And he's still only you know he's only just recently turned 22, so. There's plenty of time for him to continue developing. Like I think he seems like quite a sensible guy when you hear him talk, and and I get the impression that if we make a, a reasonable offer, so he's I believe he's on a two year contract, which means that obviously he's got he's got this season and then next season as well, assuming he doesn't leave before then, which I, I'd prefer he didn't. But I suppose if that does happen, then it's going to be to the financial benefit of the club. So you know that fine, maybe I'd I'd rather not lose him, but fine. But I feel as though you know if we're willing to to give him a decent offer. I could see him being keen to tie himself down to another couple of years here because somebody will pay the money for him and, and, and he will go on to have a good career. And I think he's going to go on to have an excellent career. I really do. I think he has it. I, th- I really do think he has the potential to play at the highest level. Um, he's just an absolute joy to watch. He's he's so good. And uh, he, he was fantastic on Saturday. And, and David, we, we've just kind of a bit of a spoiler alert, but he was the man of match for me as well. So, so that's that confirmed already. <laughs> There we go. You can you can get that ticked off the list already, Kill. And then there we go. I'd actually already wrote it down on my spreadsheet. I didn't even need to ask. He's, I heard enough from him, from what he's talked about over the weekend to to know that that's where it was going to go. Yeah, it was. As I say, there was a few other good performances, and we'll certainly move on to them very shortly. But yeah, um, yeah. Just again, I'm already struggling for words as we talk about. Right now, let's move on before I literally just babble for the next half hour. Um, so. The game continued pretty fast. Obviously, that's two minutes in. We'd had 
both teams up and down at goal and the game continued on a pretty fast pace there was uh, still a couple of chances from both teams uh, Callum Ferry had his his first of two I think particularly good saves um, shortly after the goal where it was a cross in from our left hand side and it was knocked back across goal and the Cliftonville striker uh, apologies I don't remember exactly who it was but it seems to sort of take forever to drop for him and he tries to like scissor kick it or something I'm not really sure what he does but Ferry just charges out makes himself as big as possible and grabs the ball always takes it right off the guy's foot Um, that was his first really good save his second really good save unfortunately came after Cliftonville scored their first goal and made it one each Um, it was from a corner again we're back to that after saying last week, oh, look, we did so well against Hamilton. We had, you know, what was it like? It felt like 15 corners, I think was a quote that you said, Calm, And we we never conceded from any of them. We unfortunately conceded from two um, against Cliftonville. The first one, at the time, I thought Ferry should have been out to claim it. But when looking back at the highlights, I don't see how he could possibly do that. Because I think it's, da- um, not Davis, I think it's maybe Thompson and another, and a Cliftonville Attacker are both standing right on top of Ferry. I don't think there's anywhere he can go. Ball's whipped in. It was Colin Coates, uh, Cliftonville number 26, with a, a good header from six yards out. When when do we stop conceding from corners, Enzo? I, I don't know. Hopefully very soon. Um, and and I, I was the same as you, to be honest. I thought at the time that he, he should have come out to collect it. I thought he should have done a little bit better. And this has obviously been a... An issue that we've had for quite a while. The question that I've got now, actually, and and it's a, it's a discussion I had with a couple of people on Sunday, is is Callum Ferry being told not to come out to collect corners? You know, is is the is the game plan that the 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 defence should be dealing with these and, and they're not, or or is he is he not doing it because he's just not capable of doing it, or he's not confident doing it? I, 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 what do you think of that? Because I, it's gotten to the stage where for me it's happening so often that. He, you know, that that must be it. Must be a tactical decision. I think it could possibly be a little bit of both of that. I don't know because I mean we did see last season where we all had criticisms of maybe Ferry and some of his decision making and things like that. I I do think that has got better this season. Whether that is a, a, a maybe then leading into a tactical decision to say, well, actually, yeah, let the defence. I mean, listen, he's got. Kildee and Ezzy, who are, you know, obviously we all know Ezzy's six foot seven, six foot six, we know whatever he is. Kildee's no no slight guy either. You've also got Thompson, who's a, you know, the centre midfielder, who's a big guy and likes to get himself about as well. There's plenty, of, there should be plenty of options in there that can clear these headers and should be able to defend the six yard box at the very least a little bit better. Don't give these players, don't give the opposition these point blank chances get a yeah, a close range shot away and give Ferry at least a chance. I just I don't know, but whatever it is so far, it's uh, it's not it isn't working. We thought we had it which sorted after last week. It's clearly still not working. Yeah, I I'm just starting to wonder if we've got a bunch of tall guys who are rubbish at headers to be honest, because it is far too consistent. I do think that, that there's definitely an element with Ferry where he's not the most imposing figure in those situations and you can see it when teams just kind of put guys around him he's he's kind of dwarfed pretty often but we've got plenty of guys in in and around him with Eze and all those ones that you mentioned who should be able to do better around that so it kind of makes me wonder whether it's a personnel thing or if it's something structurally and on how we're setting up on these corners or if it's just you, you know you get those things where it's 
you can see it with teams when it's in their head. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a psychological element. We've conceded from corners a few times, and now you've got the guys just feeling a wee bit more shaky around it. Something along those lines. I don't know. Um, but I'm kind of hoping that when we get Charlie Fox back and we can see him alongside either Kildare, um, Eze again, that we might see something a wee bit different. Fox was always good at headers, and he was a lot better up the park than anyone that we've got in the team right now as far as headers are concerned too. So be a wee bit more um, imposing perhaps. And um, Fox also adds a bit of that. You were saying that you know Ferry's not particularly imposing. He's, he's a relatively quiet goalkeeper, which is something that I, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I like when I've got a goalkeeper that's quite quite vocal and is constantly giving kind of orders to his defence. If Ferry's not going to do that, then I would like to see that from Eze or Kilday, but I don't think we get much of that from them, whereas Fox is a proper leader at the back and maybe, you know, in those scenarios, defending corners, he's he can step up and organise things a little bit better than the guys that we have there right now. So, yeah, listen, I've, I've been looking forward to Charlie Fox coming back from the, the first day that we were without him, but um, I, more and more so as time goes on, I think. Yeah, and listen, we can come back to the discussion about whether he, whether Charlie Fox slides back in beside either Ezzy or Kildee, because I do think, again, Kildee had another really good game against Cliftonville. He's had a couple of those recently now, and he maybe had a wee shaky spell himself, uh, maybe sort of four or five weeks ago. But the last couple of weeks, I think he has, um, yeah, he's, he's came on again really well and had another few good games. But for all that we're saying, oh, there's maybe the issue with Ferry and, you know, the imposing thing or whatever. As I said, for the save just before the corner, he made a good save there and he made another really good save shortly after the corner where, again, a cross comes in. It was, um, I don't think it was necessarily a free header, but it was still a good header from maybe about 8, 10 yards and Ferry gets down low to his right, gets a, you know, a good hand away to the ball, gets out wide and it's cleared away there. So for maybe, he maybe doesn't have what we're maybe wanting in one department, he definitely does have in that other department, like in terms of like shot stopping. I do think he's, I do think he's very good goalkeeper um, at that. Yeah, and I think you're going to get that like at this level. I and mean, obviously, the championship is a decent level, but every player is going to have their compromises, aren't they? Sometimes you're going to get big goalies that are great and that sort of physical stature and whatnot. Um, whereas Ferry's biggest asset is the fact he's great at stopping shots. Um, he's, he's the best goalie that we've had, I think, personally, um, focused on that. So, yeah, it, it, his improvement in the last season has been really, really impressive for me. It's clear that he's taken strides forward. He's still a pretty young guy as well. He's not like a particularly old goalkeeper, so there's still more in there that he can that he can work on. Um, and, and hopefully it keeps going that way because he, he has. He's saved us plenty of times this season. He's made those big sort of impact saves. The stuff that you don't necessarily expect a keeper to make. He's done that on several occasions. So, yeah, credit to him. He definitely yeah. has. And, well, I mean, for as, as many times as we're going to concede goals, you need to be able to go up the park and score them. And at least that's what we continue to do. And we continue to do on Sunday because we made it 2-1. We took the lead again. And it was Scott Williamson with uh, his second or third goal of the season. Uh, you need to correct me there. Is that his third goal? Two in the Cups now, one in the league, I think. Um yeah, correct me right now. Do you know that? Yeah, he scored against Forfar. Yep. And he scored against their Broth, and then he scored on Sunday. That's right. That's right. So it was three up. I knew I had that in my head for a reason. Yeah, so that was his third goal of the season there. Um, not quite with your, um, what was your pre-season prediction, Cal, the top five scorer. But we're, we're getting there. He's getting there. Slow start. There's a long way to go, but it was another really good goal from him. It's another one of these kind of 
really good sort of striker's instinct kind of goals. Um, Josh McPeak, who obviously is his first start, I think, in a while, um, coming on, and he, again, another one that had a pretty good game. He wins the ball just inside the, the Cliftonville half. He wins it off their left back, cuts inside, and Scott Williamson, you just see him peeling off one defender and making sure he stays onside from the other one. McPake plays a little through ball. Similar finish to Grant Savory, back across the goalkeeper. Similar result, as I say, back of the net, 2-1. Uh, it was a brilliant finish. It was a really good pass as well. And uh, I was delighted for Williamson, honestly. Like, I, I, I think the guy's fantastic. And you can see how much he enjoys it. When, all three of these goals that he has scored, he's just so excited for it every single time. And um, is, the goals are going to come for him 100%. Listen, we've talked about this before. He's got that killer instinct. He is a natural goal scorer. He finds himself in the right positions. And when he gets that opportunity, he does take it. Every time, pretty much without fail. And uh, so that's, what, th- three goals in, in maybe 10, 15 games so far. So even, if that means we're going to get to the end of the season and he scored eight or nine goals, that is a pretty incredible return for a guy who's made the step up from Canvas Lang Rangers to the Scottish Championship, do you know what I mean? And he, he's young, he's still got plenty of time uh, in his contract with us. Uh, brilliant. Great to see him score and, and, and it was a good goal. Aye, I'm, de- I'm delighted for him and he's the sort of one that you do want to keep developing because obviously we've got him on um, several several years contract, I can't remember the exact number, but we've got him for a while so it's it's nice to see him kicking on and hopefully hopefully that continues. I'm curious, you mentioned McPake, David, like I've, I, I was really excited to see McPake when he signed for us but he's not really made an impact since he joined so far, I think it's fair to say he's had good moments. Um, but from what I've seen of the highlights, there was two two good ones. Obviously, the goal he made the goal. I mean, he, he did well to tackle the guy, and also the nice pass through to Williamson. Um, and he also had a good shot from outside the box, from uh, which their keeper saved pretty well. See, aside from that, w- was there anything to suggest that he he would sort of be contending for anyone's position, or do you think he's still going to be a off the bench option? I think for now. I think, unfortunately for him, it's the aforementioned Grant Savory who's sort of playing in that right midfield role. Who, when McPake obviously came in in that very first game that he played, uh, he came on off the bench against Hamilton back in the the Premier Sports Cup, and he came on down the right wing. And I think, traditionally speaking, he is a, a right winger, although he has played a bit more centrally for us just when we've been substituting him on. Uh, I think he's one of these ones that is just. He was also really unfortunate. He came in with us. And he obviously picked up an injury. He was out for a couple of weeks very early on. And in that time, we, we made the change to the four four two, which, as I say, just kind of seen him not really have a, a position in the starting eleven. I think it's just a bit of unfortunate timing for him. I thought, I mean, it was probably it was probably his best game for Queen's Park on Sunday there. You've done him a disservice as well, because when we come on to talk about the three two and, and the Dom Thomas goal, he actually helps create that all the way over to the other side of the park as well. So he even had the involvement in the third goal as well. So yeah, overall again I thought he had a, a good game and he is at this moment in time, I think he is a, a depth option and he's a good depth option to have and a good substitute to have if, if you know if needed, depending on the way a game's going, and there's every possibility throughout the course of a season, you know, injuries, suspensions, etc. He'll get a chance to come in. He may even t- he may well take a starting spot off somebody else. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, right now I think he will have to bide his time. 
the trouble is that midfield for me essentially right now picks itself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it would be incredibly difficult to drop any of them, and I understand rotating things for for these cup games occasionally, but I I can't see him breaking through unless something unless something happens. Um, and you know unless something pretty big happens, and, and you know for for the league fixtures. I actually thought maybe I'm maybe I'm being harsh because he was involved obviously in the second and third goals, but other than those two things, I I think McPick had a relatively quiet game. But again, I, maybe I'm expecting too much because you know be, being involved in the build up to two goals, you know, directly creating Williamson's as well is a pretty good a pretty good return for any um, for anybody playing in that sort of role. So so fair play to him. Yeah, I think I think with uh, Coyle's teams, it's starting to become apparent that that's kind of what he likes to do, isn't it? He's, he likes to figure out what his starting eleven is and try and gel them as much as we can. That kind of chimes with when we spoke to David Weatherston a wee while back. He talked about his experiences and he said it was a similar sort of scenario where he, he picks his starting eleven and and that's kind of his his guys, I guess. Um, so maybe we won't expect to see too many changes. Another question I'm curious about, see I've got all these questions because I've not seen the game. Um, it's hard to tell from the highlights. Uh, David Boateng, obviously he had his his introduction, and I think it's fair to say he struggled. How how did how did he get on this weekend? Um, I I think he struggled again. <laughs> I Not think really. he struggled again. Unfortunately, I mean, I was... in in his defence, I don't think he is a left back, is he? I think he is a. I mean, obviously this the right back and left back pretty similar, but you know he's also the other side of the park. There'll be a lot of positioning things and all that kind of thing there. I'd have to agree with Enzo, and I don't think he looked particularly comfortable, and I think that came with slotting in at left-back. Obviously, Robson got a chance to have a rest, one of these rotation options. I think we all spoke last week, we said, oh yeah, we'd like to see um, a young Cammy Bruce coming in there. He he wasn't even on the bench, and actually, I believe somebody said after the game, I could well be wrong here, but I think he may be well been involved with one of the uh, Scotland, the international youth groups at, yeah. at a camp or something right, like yeah. that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It was away with the Scotland 19s, I think it was. Um, yeah. We were actually, we were we were talking about this before the game, about any of the kind of younger guys that might have been uh, rotated in to get, a, to get a start. And Bruce was obviously not an option because he was away. I think um, one of the other guys, forgive me, I can't remember his name, which is terrible. Another uh, There's another um, young QP player who's also out there with them right now, which is great to see, by the way. But yeah, he was never going to be involved for that reason. Yeah, so um, it, it's a shame, obviously, in, in that regard. And obviously, Robson... Obviously, Owen Coyle decided he's he deserves a rest at this point, and that's fair enough because I think he has played every single minute of every game. So yeah, he got a rest. David Boateng filled in there. I mean, I don't think he did badly. I'm not going to say he had a bad game, but I think you could see he maybe wasn't particularly comfortable at times. Uh, in the second half, young Alex Bannon came on for him, uh, and Bannon who is slotted in now every position across the back four. And including in midfield at one point as well, he came on and I think he played at the last maybe 15, 20 minutes or so of the game uh, there. But yeah, so far it's not been as as hot uh, an introduction to Queen's Park as Malachi Boateng had. But for David Boateng, there's still plenty of time and there's I don't think there's any reason to get too upset or alarmed right now. No, I'm I'm certainly not alarmed. Definitely, I think you're right when you when you say that you know he's maybe been played. He was maybe played slightly out of position on Saturday there. Um, I just feel as though, I don't know, that, that was the second game in a row where he was also subbed off. He was on a yellow card relatively early doors. I think Bannon actually got maybe about half an hour, if not a little bit more, um, when when David Whitting went off. But 
it's it's not it's not a concern. Definitely not. Definitely not. It's going to be tough for him though because you you come on loan from a a big club, you get your opportunity pretty much straight away, a couple of games, and it doesn't turn out well for you. It's not like we're desperate for players at those positions. Certainly not left back. Robson as as a starting left back and will continue to be. The competition obviously is a wee bit more around Davidson, um, but it, he's going to be struggling if if Davidson holds up the form that, he, that he's had recently because he played really really well when uh, he came on for Boateng after he had that poor first half last week. He did, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the one thing I will say is for the corner for Cliftonville's first goal, we'll come on, we'll move on from their first goal because we're still on that tangent. We'll move, we'll talk about the second one. But for the first one, the corner was actually won because Davidson was incredibly high up the park on the right-hand side. And mm. Cliftonville all day were playing with their left and right wingers. So they were playing like a front three and they were just hugging the touchline and they were looking for long balls across and long balls in behind. And um, I mean, it was still relatively early on in the game. I think it was about 15 minutes or 13 minutes or so when Cliftonville scored. So maybe we were still just trying to suss that out. But that was definitely a a game plan that that Cliftonville had. And well, it paid off, as I say, getting in behind Davidson. They won the corner, scored from it. So um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think Davidson had uh, a bad game either. But yeah, just there's definitely still competition, I think, at the... uh, at the right back spot in, in both attack and defence. Um but as I say, we shall move on. There were plenty of other chances in the in the game. There was um chances for Queen's Park and for Cliftonville, but we got to half time and it was two one. Um we did uh, the Queen's Park fans did take the opportunity to get back into the social club at half time for a, a a light refreshment. And it did mean that some of us, um mainly myself missed Cliftonville making it to each uh, but looking back at the highlights it was another corner this one was a short corner but it was played back into the back post it looked like a well-worked set piece it was a header coming in Callum Ferry again made a good save from the header but unfortunately this one Rallon going out round the post came back into the box there was a little uh, a good old-fashioned stromash can he miss an opportunity to say that word? And then it was smashed into the box or smashed into the net by the Cliftonville number four, whose name I don't have in front of me. But that made it two each. Uh, I get, you know, we, we've already spoke about it. Another set piece. It's disappointing to concede again. Yeah, of course. I definitely disappointing to concede from another set piece. And and I was actually much like yourself, David. I actually missed the goal in person as well. So I'm only going off what we've seen on the highlights. Uh, like you, I decided to take advantage of. The halftime refreshments in Cliftonville Social Club and I didn't quite make it out on time. I heard it though. I heard the, the celebrations from the, the relatively big crowd at Solitude. Um listen, we we've talked about this quite a lot. We've we've talked about it already regarding the first goal as well here. It's just it's something that does need to get better and, and Owen Coyle said it himself after the game too, uh, as did Dom Thomas, I think, in his match interview. It's just something that does need to improve. I, I don't know. There's not really too much else we can we can talk about because it is clearly it's clearly our, our, our you know a, probably our biggest weakness at the minute. I I agree. So let's not talk about it and let's talk about how good Dom Thomas's goal was. Yeah, let's do exactly that. Then let's move on because well, there actually to be fair, there were plenty again of other chances for both teams. I'm trying to find if. Doesn't look like BBC had like the actual match stats, you know, shots on target, all that kind of thing. I can't find it right now, um, but it felt like it was just constant. It was up one end and then up the other. There was constant shots on goal. Um, I, there was the Josh McPake, as you mentioned earlier on, Calm did force the Cliftonville goalkeeper uh, 
Tally, I think his name was, um, and a really good save again down low to his left. But we do then come to the Dom Thomas winner, which was an absolute belt, and it was in front of the the, the Queen's Park fans, the travelling supporters as well, which always made it even even nicer to have that moment to celebrate in front of the players as well. So it did start with um, the ball was out with Josh McPake out wide. He played a one-two and he got he worked his way into the box. It looked like he was trying to get a shot away, but. You know, the defenders got his body in the way, moved, you know, got McPake off the ball and it's ran out to Dom Thomas. Dom Thomas collects the ball, I don't know, about 18 yards out. He's right on the edge of the box, stands his defender up, jinks into the left and then just hits a really, a, a brilliant shot. Just all power right up into the top right hand, or the goalkeeper's right hand corner, right into the corner of the net, almost bursting the net. And I three two Queens Park, all the players over. Dom Thomas, it's an absolutely cracking photo. Um, it is a, a shout out to Ian Cairns, the the club photographer. He obviously got the the right spot there. It's a oh, it's an absolutely superb photo, superb goal. It is so good, and I it was a, it was a fantastic goal. It was the way he turned on the ball and hit it. You know, I, I thought he was maybe going to hit it over the other side, but the way he kind of stopped, turned on it, and and just burst the net. It was it was fantastic, and I'm actually you know for for all the fantastic football that we play right now and the exciting players that we have to watch, I I think Dom Thomas is actually currently anyway my favourite player in this whole squad. You just you never he's he's so unpredictable. He creates things out of nothing every single game, and he's he really is brilliant to watch. He's he's, he's such a fantastic player, and I'm just I'm still so glad that we tapped him up before that Dunfermline game in the playoffs last season. <laughs> I know how different a world could it be, by the way, if he had if he'd played that game, obviously we might not have won, etc. etc. But no, he's 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 absolutely class. So I have a question for you then. Right now, who do you prefer out of Dom Thomas and Grant Savory? See if you had to pick one. The no, other one the other one's getting sold, right? The the amount is the same for both. Who are you keeping at the club? Oh dear! Why are you doing I, I, this? You're, you're, I'm, I'm not answering that question. This is like it's like Sophie's oh, choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I'm, pretty much. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm invoking the fifth. I'm not uh, speaking. That means you're um, both. Right. Okay. So hold on. Oh, just, don't to, do that. just to clarify, right? This this is hey, the, Clyde. <laughs> just to clarify, then this question is based purely on current ability, current impact on the squad, not potential future. future. Nah, the, 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 the money side's in the bin. Just what player would you rather watch for the next three years? Right. Oh. Thomas, like is in, Thomas is in his prime right now, isn't he? He's 26. Realistically, 26. Savory's 22, just on 22. I mean, if you're looking at the big picture... <laughs> I'm Even not then, answering that doesn't either. Feel fair. No, that doesn't that doesn't feel fair. Even saying, "Oh, the big picture," he's 26 years old. He's still potentially got 10 years. In. I'm not. I'm not answering that question, Calum. You're not allowed to speak for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I, you're, I, yeah, I also refuse to answer. I also refuse to answer. I think that's fair. That was a loyalty test. You both won. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> what, what was you, what was your response to that? I think it's really difficult, right? Because I think over the over the sort of course of time, I think Thomas is going to produce the more impressive individual moments like the stuff that's going to stay in your head forever but I think Savory is probably overall going to be more impactful on the sides so in other words yeah I'm not answering it either you're just picking both there right okay that's fine I think that's I think that's I think that's probably a fair way of putting it though because you know what you get from Savory is consistent He's just he's just a consistently solid player to have up up and down that right hand side whereas what we get from Thomas 
is he has quiet spells. See, on Saturday, actually, I actually thought he was fairly quiet in the first half. But then in the second half, he just he, he switched it on and you knew he was going to do something special and he did. So I, every, every time you watch Thomas, there's always a moment you're like, how the heck did he just do that? I, I know exactly. Thinking back, like even the, the goal he scored against Ayr, for example, in, in that game that we prefer not to speak about anymore. Um, he's just, oh, he's, he's such an exciting player. And, and I, I think, I think as well, he, he seems to be really enjoying his time at the club. And I think, you know, fr- from watching the players on Saturday, this is something that I've noticed before, but it's something I, I really saw on Saturday. And it probably did help that they had the fans really, really, you know, the the backing from the fans on Saturday was really vocal. We were really loud. It was possibly one of the best atmospheres I can remember at a Queen's Park game for quite a long time. And and it, it helps that everybody had a wee drink in them and it was a bit of a longer trip than usual and stuff like that. But you could see that you know that the, the players were properly up for it. And when they did score, there's just obviously a really a really you know, they have a really good uh, bond the, the team unit is, is strong and, and Coyle has talked about that himself before as well and it's, it, that's a brilliant thing to see and, and I think they are all just enjoying their time at the club right now Yeah, I have to absolutely agree with you on, on all of that, especially let's well let's move on and we'll talk about just the fact that the game after that goal there was again still chances for both teams but it kind of slowed down a little bit I think um, there weren't really many as many clear-cut chances for either team. It did end up, the, day, the game did finish 3-2 at Queen's Park. We are through into the next round. And yeah, that the, the atmosphere in the away end, as you say, was definitely one of the, is up there with one of the best games that uh, yeah, I've attended as well. And it's also a special mention that we'll, we'll go on to just for the next couple of minutes, just to talk about, yeah, the, the welcome that we got from the Cliftonville fans obviously it started last week with getting a chance to speak with Josh on the podcast and then everybody that we met in the social club before and after the game absolutely brand new um yeah just I think they made quite a few new fans from this weekend well I've I've certainly followed them on social media now and I'll, I'll be kind of keeping an eye out for the results because as you say the hospitality was fantastic um you know the fact that at half time, they let us into the, the closed social club, by the way, that, that can usually only be entered from the home section. They actually opened the out, you know, the doors on the outside of the street to let a few of us in. Uh, everybody was great. It was just, it was, it was everything that we were hoping that trip would be. And um, I'm, yeah, I just had a, a fantastic day there. It was, it was, it was, it was excellent, and I was really impressed. maybe impressed isn't the word but I'm really glad I got the chance to visit Solitude as a ground as well because it's certainly very unique you know especially that old main stand obviously the the two stands behind the goal are clearly a bit more modern but um, that that main stand is quite interesting the way that the top level is clearly a bit um, (laughs) it's falling to bits they're not allowed to let anyone in which is a shame by the way because the crowd was really good and you feel as though it would have been even bigger you know it must have been almost sold out I, I believe but yeah, it's a shame that 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 section of the the old main stand is is isn't you know they can't use it anymore. Yeah, definitely, you're right. It could well have been even more folk there, but no, it was a great atmosphere at the game all round. And yeah, just again one one more thank you to everybody at Cliftonville for the the welcome that we did have. But just you mentioned the the newer stand that we were obviously situated in behind the goal. I wouldn't mind two or three of them just around the sides of Lesser Hamden. I think that'd be absolutely ideal. Aye, aye, and uh, the the Cliftonville fans actually seemed before the game when I was talking to them. You know, I was asking where is it we go out of here to to get to that stand, and they were they were a little bit surprised actually that we'd been put there. I don't know if normally they put their away fans elsewhere, or maybe they don't open that stand 
because they don't get many away fans. Um, I don't know that, that you know a couple of the guys that I spoke to seem to suggest that we actually brought more fans there than what a lot of teams in the Irish league do. So so um, yeah, but I a, a few stands like that would be absolutely <laughs> be absolutely perfect for us, and, and you know um, probably put together a nice a nice capacity as well, which is something that I think a lot of people are concerned about at the minute when it comes to. To the lesser uh, developments, but we we've talked about that plenty in the past, and I'm sure we will more in the future as well. So let let's not linger too much on it. Yeah, well, we'll we'll just round off there as say we've already recapped, and we've already recapped the entire game, and we already told you after about two minutes of talking about the game that the man of the match for us was Grant Savory. So yeah, that is um that is the game against Cliftonville, and we wait to see when the draw for the fourth round is, and see where see where that takes us next. So, who would you like in the next round then? My my lover and my wallet don't want Linfield away, but I'll take it. Yeah. Wait. And, when and, would and when it, would the next round be played? I believe it's at the it's either end of November, start of December, I think. Oof, these games these games are usually always played in the international breaks, but obviously with the World Cup, you know, there's, a, there's a long international break, so I I don't know how it, how the dates fall. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but yeah, I think it'll be yeah November, end of November, early December at some point. Yep, because the next round is a quarter final, isn't it? I see. To be honest, right, I've decided I want to win this now. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the market for the easiest possible tie to hopefully see us through to the next round. Because I yeah, mean, that's you, fair enough. You, you'd just be absolutely buzzing. Imagine the potential of getting to a final of a cup competition like regardless of what you might think about this this yeah. tournament in general you'd be absolutely buzzing well i would be anyway oh, oh no definitely boy. absolutely i mean um i i think I, i'm not entirely sure when the matches are but obviously one of the one of the kind of strange elements to this obviously is, is having the having the b teams in it they haven't actually played their matches yet so rangers b and celtic b don't actually play their fixtures from this very round until the start of November, which is very odd. It's a solid six weeks after when everyone else does for for fixture reason. For um, I think it's to do with the fact that they because obviously both of them share grounds with with other clubs. I think that's something to do with it. So yeah, it, it might be one of those Rangers beat or Hamilton draws that you get. Um, you know, looking at the other teams that are in it, Kelty Hearts maybe. They're not. They're not the the best start to the season. You maybe take Kelty Hearts at home, or or even away, I suppose, because it's just as just as close as as Oakview. Hopefully, we'll be back home by then. Um, Montrose, they're still in it. Elgin are still in it. Clyde. So there's there's plenty of winnable ties too. But I yeah, mind Clyde, that would be all right, wouldn't it? Going to a wee team for a a wee, a wee local team for a uh, a cup competition. A wee, course, a wee a wee walkover. Aye. Of course, that that's Hamilton now as well. So that's. Probably even easier to get to than than, than Broadwood for the for the majority. Oh, of, of course, so it is. Eh? So yeah, maybe Clyde, but yeah, I mean, I I can't pretend I wouldn't be excited about Linfield away as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. Exactly. I, I've not been able to find when the draw is, but the games are due to be played the weekend of the tenth of December. So well, there you go. Well, hopefully, if the draw, if the the B teams aren't playing until the early November maybe wait until then for the draw they might draw before then mind you but yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what um what comes of it there yeah so uh we'll move on just now we'll do our, our sort of weekly roundup of Queen's Park news so we also had the we did have a couple of the the Queen's Park teams playing but the first sort of point that we want to have a quick chat on is it's been quite difficult to find the news of the Queen's of Queen's Park in the last week or so because 
I mean, our, listen, our social media doesn't have to be amazing. You know, maybe not hundreds of thousands of people reading it. But the last week or so, especially, like our social media's just kind of completely gone down the drain. I don't know what's happened. Like, there's still no official highlights of the Hamilton game from last week. If you want to see the two goals, uh, the Simon Murray and the Grant Savory goal from Hamilton, you're having to go and find it on the, the big SPFL lower league compilation, which we did share on our Twitter timeline. You will have to dig through. I did promise last week not to post nonsense on Twitter. I posted a lot of nonsense. So apologies. <laughs> but you but you will be able to find the highlights and the two Queen's Park goals from last week's game against Hamilton there. But no official posts from the from the club. Queen's Park yeah young Queen's Park played in the SPFL Reserve Cup. Uh they lost two one to Dundee United. They lost to a a la- a last last minute a free kick from Dundee United and it was Jason Naismith scored for Queen's Park with uh, it was from a, a Callum Bigger free kick but no post by the club no word no word on what happened that was found by Dundee United's match report of that game and a brief highlight showing the free kick that, that they scored from it's it's just really strange that that's happened this week yeah i i don't i don't really understand it because obviously one of the the thing about young QP that's a little bit confusing to me is obviously you'll remember over the summer where we were getting constant, constant Twitter notifications about these young guys signing new contracts with the club, which is fantastic news. You know, that's that's what we all want to see. And then when these fixtures come around to pretend or, you know, to pretend they didn't happen or, or forget about it altogether is just a little bit bizarre. Um, and you shouldn't have to be trolling through other clubs' Twitter feeds to find out what's going on. Uh, what's going on with our guys and and this reserve cup's a brilliant opportunity for these guys to to be playing against a lot of decent standard size you know Dundee we talked about it the, the last after the last game Motherwell put out a ridiculously strong team against us Dundee United as well you know they had some proper you know they had some quality players the likes of Craig Sibold and, and a few others um and you know we might not win these games but that's fine it's it's all about the development of these young guys and it'd be good to be kept in the loop about it yeah, I agree. Um, they've made a lot about young QP and I think it is great the way that they're setting the club up now in regards to all that stuff and you do want to see a wee bit more about it. And it's just a good way to keep people engaged, isn't it? We've got a lot of guys that are floating in between the two squads um, and sort of keeping tabs on them should be important. Um, it's meant to be part of our setup as a club now, how we're wanting to move stuff forward. So... Yeah, I hope I hope they do fix it. Um, I agree with what you said at the start, David. It's probably not massively high on the priority list, but it feels like something that's a bit of an easy win um, to keep fans engaged and just sort of less confused as to why we aren't hearing really simple pieces of information. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely an easy win. It's I think we go all the way back. Obviously, things have been pretty good this season. I think back when we started, we did have a couple of big moans about a few different things here and there. Things have been pretty good this season. Let's not let's not avoid the the question. We're we're very happy that things are going well, so we've maybe not moaned as much as we perhaps could have. But you're absolutely right. It's something that is an easy win. Just keep in touch with the fans, even if, for example, you know, there's no highlights of the Hamilton game. I don't know. It was. Was the camera broke or something? Was there a technical issue? Just say that, Luke. Sorry that it's not here, but I tell you what, share the SPFL Twitter link. They go, there you go, where you go and find it. How easy is that? You're absolutely right. It's an easy win. And talking as well about, 
there's a young QP, there's players going in between the squads you maybe want to keep an eye on. One player that was omitted from the young QP lineup uh, in that game against Dundee United and also not in the lineup against Cliftonville on Sunday there either was Liam Brown. Now, there has been a rumour posted online uh, on Pie and Bovril by a Queen's Park fan that they've maybe heard that he's potentially being loaned out or maybe there's a loan lined up and I think it's Alloa that has been touted as the possible destination you know obviously I mean I don't expect the club to come oh yeah by the way we're getting rid of so and so out on loan they're not going to give us that information but you know not getting any information at all it then leaves us to speculate well why is why is Liam Brown not there? Yeah the Liam Brown to Alloa rumour is possibly more believable now than it ever has been as well because him being omitted entirely from that squad on, on Sunday, just after Aloha qualified for the next round, by the way, by beating Airdrie on Friday night, suggests to me that the club doesn't want to cup tie him, um, knowing that he might be going there. So, yeah, listen, it's, it, it, I like Liam Brown, I do, but I just I, I don't know if there's if there's a place for him in this in this starting eleven right now. He's going to really struggle to break through and. If he's willing to, you know, drop down to, to League One to get a bit of game time, I think he would do brilliantly for a team like Aloha, who have had a really positive start to the season, by the way. Um, get some game time and then and then come back ready to ready to really push for that starting eleven. Fair enough. Liam Brown is is too good a player, I think, to be sitting not playing football. Um, it, the age he is as well. He's clearly an ambitious guy. I don't think he would want to be sitting about for a prolonged period of time. And bit part football for him, I just think isn't going to be helpful because we do kind of, you do kind of want Brown to kick on a bit. Like he's clearly got so much footballing ability and we've raved around about him in, in seasons gone past. He's been one of our most influential players. So yeah, I think he's been kind of dealt a tough hand with the change in formation. I don't think it necessarily suits him particularly well and the form of the guys that we've brought in. So I could see it happening um, and I would be kind of sad to see it, I think, because for me, as, as far, selfishly, as, as far as depth goes, like he's such a good option to have on the bench and I would be concerned if one or two of our sort of midfielders got longer term injuries. Um, but that's that's all speculative and I guess you need to do what's best for the player. Yeah, definitely, and you're absolutely right. I think he's just really unfortunate, similar to as we were talking about McPeak earlier on, where you know one unfortunate event leads to another, and he just finds himself out of the team. There's no avoiding that Brown maybe didn't start the season maybe as well, but that that's also part, and you know, it, that's also in part to do with the change in formation. That obviously, as you say, Cam, it didn't particularly suit him. Maybe didn't have him in his best position as as we see it anyway as fans, but. At the end of the day, if if he's going to be getting the opportunity to go out, even though you've got young QP and he's also going to be training at the club right now and everything like that, see if he's got the chance to maybe go to a club like Alloa, who, you know, obviously still playing League One football, playing if he's going to get the chance to play every week as well, that is best for the player. And at the end of the day, you want him playing every single week if possible. So we'll wait to see again what happens there if we do get any news from the club about any of that at all. Um one bit of news that we did get was some fixture rearrangements. So, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we had our game against Morton was called off. That has been rescheduled for this Tuesday coming. That is going to be the, 
was that, is that the 4th or the 5th of October? Tuesday the 4th of October at Oco View. So next week we'll, well, we'll need to work out our podcast schedule, but we'll maybe have a wee double dunter episode and have to review two games at once. A busy one for us. Um, so we've got that one next week. We also have our first uh, game confirmed for BBC Scotland. That is going to be the away game to Cove Rangers. And that's now moved to Friday night. So that's Friday the 4th of November. So that is... um, It's maybe... I I don't know about you guys, but I think it's a bit of an interesting choice. Um, Number one, in terms of showcasing a crowd for Scottish football, that's got the opportunity to be pretty poorly attended, I think. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, I was really... So obviously it's good to have the Morton game rearranged and and hopefully we can go into that on the back of another win. Obviously we're going to talk about the Raith Rovers game shortly. but. The Cove game being chosen for TV does kind of surprise me, but but they announced today actually that the um, obviously that weekend that the games were were postponed, Cove were due to play Dundee on the Friday evening, and that was going to be on TV. They announced today that that fixture the the rescheduled fixture is not going to be shown on TV, so they obviously want to get a game in at Cove, and maybe this is just the best one for them in terms of the the, the schedule and the other games that they've got planned in. So from that perspective probably makes a bit of sense. Now that it's going to be on a Friday night, people are maybe going to have to take half days from work and holidays, whatever else to get up there. Can't imagine there's going to be a massive travelling support. Maybe there won't even be a huge home support. I don't know. Um, but listen, it's still good to have the club on TV regardless. So that that's still that, that's something to look forward to, whether you're going to be there or not. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think, um, I think it's not going to suit many people. And with it being on the TV, it kind of removes the for a lot of people to take that time off work and obviously there's an expense attached to all of these games as well so I think it will be one of the lower attended ones but it'll be nice being able to sit and watch it on the TV um, which is uh, always always find that a novelty Yeah it certainly is and maybe as uh, time passes it, it won't be so much of a novelty for us, who, who knows as I say what the future holds but what we do also have in the future, just to look back around on the fixture rescheduling with a, a nice little negative note to end it, as I like to do. We do have another Friday game which has not been moved for the TV and appears to have been moved due to the fact that we are still ground sharing through in Ocalview. Um Going back to not hearing any social media news or news in general, we still don't necessarily know what's happening with Lesser Hamden. All of the rumours that we've been hearing for the last four to six weeks we're saying oh yeah October, November time that'll be us getting ready to get back in well it still doesn't look particularly ready and our home game against Arbroath which was originally scheduled for the 15th of October on the Saturday has been moved to the 14th of October so that is another Friday night game at Ocalview I suppose well I mean Enzo you actually stay just not too far away I don't want to give it away exactly but you stay not too far away from Lesser Hamden have you had a chance to see it recently yeah yeah and you, you can see that there is progress definitely you know the 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 stand along the um I believe it's the east stand now um they're starting to put the corrugated iron in on the back of the stand and stuff now and, and you can see you know they're busy they've put up the wee the wee uh, director stands had a lot of progress made on it as well not that Many of us will ever see that, but um, that's a separate conversation. I remember before the fixtures were actually announced, because we 
hadn't because we were unable to confirm that we we're going to be Oak View for the full season. I believe the SPFL did state that there was no way to ensure that we definitely wouldn't have any games at home on the same you know on the same day as Stenhouse Muir. So I suppose that's that's how we've gotten and you know that's how we find ourselves in this situation now. Not ideal, but hopefully we'll be home sooner rather than later and, and we can stop worrying about things like this. Yeah, I think um and again I don't want to delve into a spiral of negativity but I think on the the communication side that it has been poor and I think the club do get away with quite a lot because of how well the on-field stuff is going right now Um, it's a lot easier to forget about some of the the side shows that um, we could be doing with a wee bit more proactive comms on Um, I think the club did recognise at the start of the season in one press release that the communications weren't good enough and I, I don't think it's improved since then really in any tangible way. Um, there's a whole raft of stuff going on that we could do with a proper formal update on but yeah, fingers crossed it happens soon because I think we're all eager to to know what's going to be happening um, and whether we'll be having a, a new stadium for Christmas. Yeah, and uh, well, you say that obviously the club did put out a press release, obviously acknowledging that. I'll tell you where there was another press release where it was acknowledged as well in the latest episode, uh, latest issue of the Nutmeg magazine, where myself and Enzo, feeling like absolute hitting the big time, interviewed by Scott Fleming as part of his piece and introducing the championship season this year and we had a chance to sit down and talk with him about Queen's Park and well unfortunately for the club right the way back then we were a little bit negative because it was all the way back really early I think it was sort of mid to late July and you'll maybe clarify that for me Angel but it was around about then and we had all the complaints there was all the everybody online was you know trying to chase the club up for answers didn't really know we did still talk about some of the good things at Queen's Park, but we had to get it out there that there were some negative stuff as well. And by the way, this is a totally unprompted promotion of Nutmeg Magazine. Go and get, go and buy your copy, and see, and you can see our name <laughs> in print, which is incredible. But um, <laughs> not, yeah. not not only that, it's a it's a quarterly publication dedicated to Scottish football. So if you're a Scottish football fan, which you will be if you're listening to this, then it, it's something worth supporting definitely. And and it's it's you know, I haven't I haven't um, purchased a physical copy of it yet, but from what you've said, David, it's it's a really high, you know, high quality bit of um Yeah. it's, it's absolutely excellent. Listen, I, I have bought a I have got a physical copy of it and it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, listen, the actual quality of the thing itself, the actual magazine's excellent, but yeah. the the content and it's brilliant. It's just, yeah, as you say, Enzo, obviously, if you're listening to this, you like Scottish lower league football in one way or another and it's just a little bit, a chance to see a little bit more about it and read a little bit more. There's some daft wee things as a wee, as a wee piece on pie huts around Scottish football and like lower league and some junior ones. and you know something see when I seen that on the I rate the front, that by the way I think see when I seen it on the front I was like they're taking pictures of pie huts alright but there's a couple of different wee stories about some of them and the nice sort of colour picture that I actually found myself really actually really quite liking that. so um, yeah listen there you go Nutmeg Magazine we'll, we'll retweet it again and um, yeah you can have a look and if you're that interest you definitely go and pick it up it's um it's something really good, and as Enzo says, it supports, you know, it promotes Scottish football and lower league football, especially. It's definitely something to look into if if that uh, takes your fancy. We'll come back on to scheduled topics. <laughs> I won't deviate again. Um, our other QP team update, obviously the QP women's team. I believe the last time we spoke, they had. 
played Kilmarnock in the SWPL Cup. They won 5-1. I'm fairly certain we mentioned that before. If not, then there we go. They did win that first round game. They have been drawn at home to Rangers in the next round, which I think being polite will be a tough test because I think it's, I think it's only Rangers and Celtic. I don't even know if Glasgow City are a full-time women's team at this moment in time. But I think Glasgow and Celtic, uh, Glasgow and Celtic, uh, Rangers and Celtic are full time, obviously. So, um, the very best of luck to them in that game. But I think that could be a that's and that's one of these. It's a development game. It'll be a good um, a good learning experience for the for the girls playing there. So yeah, best of luck to them well, there. Yeah, and uh, Rangers are actually current champions. So they they yeah. they won the title last season for the first time in a long time. Glasgow City didn't. Um, so listen, I'm sure they'll be excited about the opportunity to play against arguably the best team in the country, and and it's it's like you say, it's, it's a learning experience, and, and they don't get the chance to do that every week. So I that's, that's it's good for them, brilliant, definitely. Definitely. So all the best them for that. We'll keep an eye out on that game and uh, share that result when it comes in. The last little bit of news that we're going to talk about. We are actually sitting recording this late on a Tuesday night. We have just sat and watched Scotland get the point that they needed away to Ukraine that that just means a whole load of things that are just absolutely amazing for Scotland and the national team. So we've won our group in Group B or Nations League Group B, you know, this Group 1 or whatever the one it is we're in. So we get promoted to Nations League Group A. So we're going to be playing all the, all the big teams, obviously not including England because they're not a big team. We're going to be guaranteed a playoff for Germany 2024, even if when the qualifying group for Euro 2024, which is drawn, I believe, maybe 10 days from now, I think it is, um, it's certainly the beginning of October, even if when we go into that group as a second seed, where the top two finishers in the group go through, even if we manage to mess that up in true Scottish fashion, we're still guaranteed a playoff. And we know what happened last time we went into the Nations League playoffs for a, a Euros competition. It, it is bloody brilliant. It's an absolutely superb time to be a Queen's Park fan and a Scotland fan right now. Well, listen, right, the, the Nations League gets a bit of criticism. A lot of people think it's pointless, but we've done very well out of it so far. So I, I say, love the Nations I say, League. I think it's one of the absolutely. best. I was saying this to David before we started. I think it's one of the best things that they brought in because... Even if you're no winning the groups and stuff like that, there's a bit of competition around it, isn't there? There's a bit of jeopardy. Exactly. So, and now we're officially better than England as well, which I'm quite okay with. <laughs> we knew it for years, but it's good to see it written down. I definitely. Aye. So, no, it's absolutely superb. It'll be good to see where that draw for the Euros group takes us because, uh, like, I'm I am a big uh, Scotland fan. I do get to as many games at Hamden as possible, and even try and take in a couple of wee away ones. And I know that you guys like your Scotland games as well. So, it's a great chance to obviously have. You know, some higher level competitive football again for Scotland instead of, as you say, you know, pointless. This has replaced pointless friendlies, but we're so close to a Euros in Germany, and oh, that's that. Oh, that's exactly oh, what it is. Oh my so, like, That's that's oh. that's what you want. You want a Euros in you. You know, Qatar. Obviously, it was disappointing the way we we get absolutely horsed by Ukraine in that uh, in that playoff game. But listen. Chances are, not many people would have been going to that. It's in the middle of the winter. It doesn't count, does it? Listen, we'll just pretend that one isn't happening. But you know, the Euros in Germany—that's what it's all about. That's those are the those are the tournaments that you look forward to. So, 
I would rather not uh, rely on the playoff. Maybe we can win the group. Obviously, being second seeds makes that a little bit more realistic as well. Granted, the other people will probably want us as their second seed, but but that's not the point. I think uh, it's all very exciting. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything crossed for that group draw, and we'll see what happens there. So we'll move on to our final topic of conversation for this week's episode and it is to preview this week's league game back to league action against Wraith Rovers. So at this moment in time, the, the league standings are as follows. So Queen's Park are sitting third place still in the league. Four wins out of seven, uh, 13 points total. Wraith Rovers, Enzo's pre-season tip to go down, are sitting in sixth place. Three wins, no draw. So they've got three wins and four losses. So they're either winning or losing. So uh, I'm gonna. Pre- I, mean, I think I might have to predict a nil-nil uh, this Saturday. But yeah, they are um, sitting nine points, so four points behind us in sixth place. Now we obviously there's a few uh, former Queens Park players and a couple of Queens Park links there. But let's look first of all. Obviously, last season we came up against Airdrie, what felt like a million times. But most importantly, we came up against them in the playoffs. So your former Airdrie manager Ian Murray and. Listen, I will be perfectly honest, I'm not really followed how well everybody individually at Wraith Rovers is playing, but I've got to go ahead and assume that Dylan Easton is still one of their main players. Ian Murray brought Easton from Airdrie with him to Wraith Rovers. Going to be coming back up against them. What what do you think we're expecting to see? Oh, Dylan Easton is one of their best players, and uh, I believe they've actually... Now, I don't know if he's with the squad yet, but they've actually just signed a Faroese striker. And, and I don't know, because I know that they've, they've They've been oh, struggling to score goals that... a little bit. And I, I believe this guy is he's a striker and he's <laughs> I'm not sure maybe I made this up, but I'm sure I read that he's six foot eight. <laughs> six foot eight. I've seen that rumoured for a long time. I didn't realise he'd actually finally got it over the I line. I think I think so, but I, I I don't think he's gonna be ready for this weekend. So that could be a blessing in disguise. Or he could be absolutely rubbish. You know, if he's six foot eight, he might just be a big lanky waste of space. You never know. Um <laughs> But I, I suppose, I suppose we'll see. Obviously, when when we talked about Wraith pre-season, we talked about the fact that they didn't have any defenders at the time. Uh, obviously, they lost um, Masonda to Air, but they've brought in a couple of guys on loan who are actually looking all right. Uh, they got a good win against Air. Obviously, not at the weekend. It was it was the week before the the day that we beat Hamilton. I don't, I don't know. They, they they beat Cove on Saturday as well. Cove away in, in the in the Challenge Cup. I think to be, and I don't want to come across as too arrogant here, but I think we are a better team than them. And I think if we play to our highest level, then I think, you know, I, I fancy us to beat them. Yeah, I, I don't have a clue, to be honest. Like, they're so, it's so difficult. Every single game that we play this season, there, there really is just that distinct possibility that you go and lose to them. I don't think there's any overtly terrible teams in this league. And Wraith fall into that sort of category of middle of the pack, probably will be able to beat teams on their day, might have some some poorer results along the way as well. Um, but in terms of who they've lost to so far, so they, they, they have lost to Dundee, Thistle and Inverness. So when they've came up against those teams that the sort of traditional or what you would think would be the higher end of the table, they've they've struggled a wee bit more. That result against Air is is obviously a good one, but I don't think any of us expect Air long term to to sort of maintain that position. Um but no, I, I'm I'm hoping that we'll do okay. I, I would like to 
I would like to see his win. Most obvious comment you could ever say. I would like to see us not concede goals and win. That would be nice. A, a clean sheet or just maybe the one goal conceded uh, would be good. I don't want to see another litany of errors leading to sort of more defensive frailties because as much as we have praised our attacking game, it's not it's not going to happen every week. So you do want to be able to put a wee bit more of a steadfast performance in when needed. Well, that, that's exactly what happened when we went to Dens Park and that's how we ended up losing 3-0. You know, on a different day, we could have potentially won that 4-3, but we didn't take our chances. We weren't clinical and, and we were punished for it. Um, and I, I think I think you touched on something there, Callum, that I actually wanted to mention, and that's that, yes, they did beat Air United, but I, I think Air are going to fall away. They've had a great start to the season. Obviously, Dipoak and Yemi's been an outrageously good find. He's going to score goals, but I don't think their entire squad is quite up to the standard that he is. And I do think they'll fall away a little bit. They lost to, to um, Morton on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember exactly when that game was in the Challenge Cup as well. So that's two in a row. They've got Inverness this weekend. Inverness who've started to pick up the points as well. Wouldn't surprise me if they lost that one too. I mean, th- that could be the start of a bit of a kind of downward spiral for them. I suppose we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. They look a competent enough squad and I think they'll probably end up finishing mid-table potentially pushing for the playoffs and they'd be happy with that um, but yeah um, I, I don't know by the way t- totally irrelevant right now but obviously did you did you see that Jai Katonga get sent off again for Morton against Aaron that game it's, is that it's, two or three that's his third red card of the season that's absolutely wild he's going to end up with more red cards than, than goals this season for them <laughs> but um, aye, obviously, obviously a, b- a bit off topic there. But I can't help but but talk about these ex Queens guys when when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I think I think we'll be favourites on Saturday. I think it makes sense that we're favourites on Saturday. And and I think you know having rested Murray uh, with Kenny not in the squad as well. You know we still scored three goals with arguably two that listen. Kenny's not quite showed it yet for us, but I still think he will. Arguably two of the best centre forwards in in the division and. Um, I think they two, you know, those two guys will be raring to go, having had a wee rest, and I'd like to see us win comfortably as well. Obviously, I'd like to see us win every single game comfortably, but I think this is a good opportunity for us to go out, score a few, and hopefully keep things tight at the back and another three points. We can overtake here, maybe take overtake Thistle as well. They play Morton. I, I don't know how likely that is, but uh, I, <laughs> I suppose we'll see. There is quite there is quite a few links with uh, yeah. with with us. I mean, I, I don't know how you're feeling about. Um, Coming up against Conor McBride again after his he scored on Saturday. Did he actually? He scored against Cove for them. I, I mean, it, it wasn't the most phenomenal goal ever, and I think they rested a few players, which is why he was starting in the first place. But I, he scored a goal. So was he more or less of a shock than Longstaff for you guys? For me, that was a worse sign than the Longstaff, yeah. purely based on the fact the reason. Listen, I don't want to slag these guys too much. Everybody knows how poorly the likes of McBride and Longstaff did for us but for me I was more surprised at McBride signing for Wraith than I was Longstaff signing for Cove and the reason for that is that Wraith are a full-time club they're a a decent sized club they've got a good support they've got a wee bit of financial backing and I was just really surprised to see them sign a guy like Conor McBride whereas Cove they were sort of desperate for players at the point where they signed Longstaff they were really struggling to attract guys to play part-time football all the way up in Aberdeen and they saw Longstaff having played 30-odd games for us last season, which is absolutely wild when you think about it, by the way. I can sort of understand them having taken a punt on it, as funny as it was and as poor as it was against us when we played them. But yeah, the McBride one was was a bit bizarre to me. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there, um, Enzo. Yeah, that's definitely a much more surprising sign in there. But Callum's right, there is a couple of other links as well. There's Aidan Connolly, who obviously was at Queen's Park a good few years ago now when he was uh, yeah. he was quite young. And yeah, quite the opposite to what we're just talking about there. He was a, a good sort of exciting young player and he obviously went on. I think he, he went to, he was at Dundee United as well, wasn't he? He followed the, the Barry Douglas, Andy Robertson trail. Uh, that way there and he's kind of bounced about a little bit since then but yeah he's obviously doing well at Wraith Rovers there's also Ross Millen at Wraith Rovers as well so yeah there's a couple of links there now enough about their players let's have a look at our players so you mentioned there as well that obviously Simon Murray's been rested and obviously you get got Tommy Robson who the two of them never came on off the bench at all last week you're going to expect them to come back in Callum you first is there anybody else you want to see or that you just you, you think might end up getting on Oh, it's getting a bit, I don't want to say dull because it's dull in the best way possible is that I feel like I know, <laughs> I have a sort of gut feeling as to who our sort of better players are now, which I think is generally a good thing. I guess, I mean, the main points of contention is right back. Um, I think I definitely want to play Davidson. I, I just, I've not seen anything from the highlights or the first game of, of David Boateng to suggest that he should start um midfield happy with the exact same midfield across the board so i guess you're then just choosing between because obviously simon murray's going to start again you're just choosing between uh kenny and williamson and i think i want williamson to to start if i'm just going in terms of who i think will work better together williamson definitely has i just think he works well with murray they're both kind of i know that the stature wise are obviously entirely different but I just love the high energy at that end of the park. See with him, the, with the two of them running about, and you've got Thomas and uh, Thomas and Savory either side of them. I mean, my God, I wouldn't like to be a defender in that circumstance. You're just going to have someone on top of you all the time. So I'd be, I'd be keen to do that and just uh, have a straight shootout with Ethan and see who can score the most goals. That that works for me as well. To be honest with you, I, I don't think I would be disappointed in either. Uh, Williamson or Kenny starting like I, I, I think no I, I think I think, they, I think they both offer a lot and um, I think they both probably work well with Murray as well and that probably says more about Murray than either of them to be honest with you but um, I, I, I don't think you can be too disappointed that we've got those options up front because there are so many squads in this division that are absolutely crying out for a, for a striker like either of them so I um, it's a good problem for Coyle to have I agree with you that I would probably start Jake Davidson. Part of the reason for that is that there have been a lot of so I, I've not been I've not been overly impressed with David Botting so far, and I, and I still think there's time for the for the guy to improve. You know, he's he's still relatively new to the, to the squad and to Scottish football, which can be it can be a bit of a change. And and it's I think I I would argue that the Scottish Championship is definitely quite a big step up from that under twenty threes division that he was playing in, but. I would just rather see Davidson for now in that position. And I think, so Davidson is offers a lot of great support going forward. His weakness is definitely when he has guys running at him down that right-hand side. And, and he kind of struggles a little bit defensively from time to time. But I don't know if Wraith will be putting him under all that much pressure compared to some other teams. So I'd, I'd be starting him too. When I go back, I just go back to the, the Williamson versus Kenny debate now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's just a little bit of home. I say home team bias. are obviously both at Queens Park, but Williamson's obviously our signing. Kenny's a lone player. Would it would be unfair? I think to drop Kenny after his performance against Hamilton. Okay, he, he never scored, but he was 
he created a good few chances. He was a constant threat against Hamilton, and and again for as good as good as Scott Williamson was, you know, on Sunday there, and 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 has been in general for the time that he's played as well. I think Kenny, you've said it a, a number of times, Enzo. Kenny's obviously came in. He's obviously came in from Celtic as well. He's he's a highly rated youngster with Celtic. He's also been given our number nine jersey. I don't know, again, is that just reading too much into squad numbers? But I don't think it is. I think the thought is that he will be playing, or very much playing as much as possible, if not starting as much as possible. And as he, he got that start against Hamilton, he got his chance. I think he took it. I think he's done enough to start this week over Williamson. Yeah, I, I can understand. Uh, I can totally understand both points of view, to be honest with you. So it's that's one for Coyle. It's a decision for Coyle. Oh, it he'll, is. He'll base it on... I don't think he'll base it too much on the fact that Williamson got his goal against uh, Clifton Villa. I have a feeling Coyle probably already knew. This this might sound a little bit strange, but I have a feeling Coyle probably already knew which of the two of them was going to be playing against Rafe this week, even prior to the Cliftonville game. Um, but I, I suppose we'll see. Other than that, I think the vast majority of the squad just picks itself at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a great issue to have, as as you both say. It's um, it's nice to have a, a, a an incredibly strong starting eleven and really good options on the bench as well. So that will bring us on to score prediction. Now, first things first, Callum, give me my prediction points, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So um, this week. We had in our predictions, Enzo, you predicted 4-1 Queens, I predicted 3-1 Queens, and David had it on the nose uh, for 3-2. So, well done, David. That is your second oh, yes. correct prediction of the season. So Genius. Genius over here. So, you and I have had two correct score predictions. Enzo's had a whopping zero so far. So, <laughs> that puts him on, for the season, six points. Uh, I am on eight points, and David, you have got ten points. Nobody's went full Buna yet and managed to get the correct score plus the scorers, which gets you a mad amount of points. I've undecided how many you're actually going to get yet. Um, never going to yeah, happen anyway, so you'll never have to worry about that. Yeah, I think you, you'd actually put a Williamson hat trick, David, so you were a wee bit off, but um, decent, decent, decent effort overall. So. Yes, what what are we going for this week? Are we wanting to start with Enzo or do you want to go as the as the reigning champion, David? Oh no, I'll I'll let Enzo go. If I steal Enzo's thought, score, I'll never hear the end of it. So Well I thought Enzo we'd agreed. Was... I, I thought we'd agreed it would it would we would go from bottom of the table and work our way up. That way um, the, the person yeah. who's at right, the bottom can, with the fewest you, points has the best opportunity to put in. I mean obviously you can start you again, Enzo. Right, three 0 We're gonna win three 0 on Saturday. Three 0 and who's scoring? Poofy Murray, because he's going to be raring to go, uh, having not played against Cliftonville. And one from Stephen Eze. Finally, he's going to offer a bit of aerial threat at a corner. And uh, he's not even going to have to jump. It's just going to bounce off his face and go into the back of the net. I'm I'm okay with that. That's fine. Right. Um, I'm going to be a wee bit more conservative. I'm going to go for 2-1 Queens. And I'm going to go for Murray and... Jack Thompson, because why not? So that was that was two one. You took there, Kel. I'm sorry. Two one, yes. Right, give give me two nil. Give me two league clean sheets in a row. And in terms of scorers, two two of the main men from Sunday there still on a high from watching them. Savory and Thomas has to be 
Fair nice. enough. I think, that's a, I think that's a reasonable prediction, actually. And yeah. we were agreed last week, uh, we were agreed, sorry, from the Cliftonville game, Savory was the man of the match, so our wee sort of mini-league table on that. that. Well, crazily, that was actually his first man of the match award that we've given him this season. Um, so that puts him on one alongside Thompson, Murray, Eze, Boateng and Ferry, and Thomas still leading the way with two. It just go. goes to show you. That just goes to show, doesn't yeah. it? How how you know everybody has been chipping in with these you know exceptional performances, and it's brilliant to see. All right then. Well, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. Callum and Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. And for everybody here, you can of course find us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod, and of course you find us on Pie and Bovril as well, the Championship Forum. And of course, we're still in the domestic cup, so you might find us in the domestic cup forum talking about the upcoming draw as well. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you all here again next week. Cheers. See you later. Bye-bye. Play for the sake of the game